You are listening to the sermons of Concordia Lutheran Church, located at 3144 South Home Avenue in Berwyn, Illinois. We invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 9 o'clock a.m. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. It's wonderful to have all of you scouts here today. Um, one of the things that I love about scouting is it's focused on raising responsible children to be good citizens in the world. Uh, the scouting program here teaches them all sorts of skills, all sorts of uh, good things to do. But I think most importantly, it teaches them about duty and doing the right thing. Uh, and that's the, the reason why uh, parents put their kids in scouts, is to help them grow so that when they're adults, they can be the kinds of people who make the world a better place. And it's exciting to have you here so we can celebrate the work that you do, and especially the work that Ellen has done in our congregation and in the scouts. So we're so excited to have all of you here today. Where scouting intersects with Christianity is actually something that our epistle reading is talking about today. St. Paul is talking about kind of the morality of creation, what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to treat each other. And it can be summed up in one short phrase, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Pretty simple, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Today I'd like to look at each piece of, of that phrase, love your neighbor as yourself, and dissect it to really understand what it means for us. The first one is love, right? We need to know what love is to be able to love our neighbor. Now the way we typically talk about love is we talk about it as a feeling. Something happened in the last couple of decades where feelings became super important in our lives. Uh, if you've ever heard someone say, I feel, before talking about uh, uh, beliefs, right? I feel like this is a good thing to do. Or if someone gave the advice, follow your heart, right? What they're, what they're saying is, is that the things that we know don't come from our observations and the rational world, but the things that we know, whether it's right or wrong, good or bad, we should do it or not, is inside us connected to our emotions. Which is a really strange way to think about knowing the world, because I don't know about you, but I really struggle with controlling my emotions. I may feel that something is good one day and feel that something is awful the next day. I might be excited about going to work one day and not so much the next day. I might feel like something's a good idea on Monday, but by the time Thursday comes around, I'm like, really? I said I would do that? I bet you felt that way before too, right? So when people are making a decision, often they won't say, think about the good things and the bad things and try to figure out what's best. No, instead they'll say, where does your heart lead you? Instead of saying, should I take that job? Let's look at all of my qualifications, whether it'll help me, whether the pay is right, whether I, it'll help me grow. They say, look inside you. Much of the Christian faith is actually working the opposite way that we tell people to think about. Much of the Christian faith is looking at what God says and doing that 
despite how we feel about it. Because being faithful is not always exciting and wonderful, right? Loving your neighbor as yourself, sometimes that takes sacrifice. Sometimes that means doing the things you don't like to do. And so a number of ways that we talk about life is like that. You can talk about that with marriage. When people talk about love in marriage, marriage is supposed to be this thing where you're like, I'm in love all my life. And that's exactly how it is, right? You who are married, never upset with each other. That's not right. I should have him standing here every sermon, right? But we, we do what's right despite how we feel. We love even if we're angry, even if we're miserable, even if every dream we ever had for our marriage is dashed upon the rocks of life, our job is to love. Not in our hearts, but in our actions. Because that's what love really is. When the Bible talks about love, it's not a feeling. It's an action. There are plenty of, of places in the Bible where this happens. Uh, possibly one great example is when Paul and Silas are in, in jail. They go to a, a town and they start preaching the gospel and they're arrested. And uh, in the middle of being beat up by a crowd, like they arrest them for getting, for getting the, the crowd mobbing them. And then they send them to jail, and they don't just put them in a jail cell. They put them in manacles, chains, locking their legs and feet. And when an earthquake pops the doors open, the jailer comes down, and he's going to hurt himself out of fear. And Paul and Silas say, wait! And they show him love by sharing the gospel. I'm willing to bet they weren't very happy with that man. The guy who clapped them in irons, who locked them away, I probably would be like, wow, that guy's a jerk. But they still loved by their actions. And the same thing is true of Jesus. When uh, I'm willing to bet that Jesus was not, woohoo, let's go to the cross and die. In fact, we know he wasn't, because when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed to his father, if this let this, this pass from me, if there's any way we can do this without dying on the cross, that would be great, God. But not my will, but your will be done. And Jesus went to the cross, suffered terrible torment, was nailed to that cross, died for you and for me, showed us exactly what love is by sacrificing himself, giving his life so that we can have eternal life. That's love. You shall love your neighbor. So the question is, who is my neighbor? What does that mean? Uh, that's a famous question from the Bible. Someone uh, is talking about God's law, and they ask Jesus, um, what is the law? And he says, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. And the man who was asking him said, but who is my neighbor? See, what he wanted was to say, who do I have to love and who can I hate, right? Is it, is it the guy next door? I have to love him. Is it my, my fellow countrymen and then the people out there I can hate? No, of course not. 
See, that's one of the errors, is that we think that we're supposed to love the people who love us, and not the people who hate us, or the people who are mean to us. Our neighbor is that anybody who's in that orbit, anybody who we come in contact with, is someone we are called to love. But we shouldn't go into the opposite error either, is loving everybody who is far away and not the people who are near. There's a famous character in the Dickens novel Bleak House. Uh, it's this woman, Mrs. Jelly Bai, I think you pronounce it. And she is involved in this really wonderful work trying to set up a mission in a made-up tribe in Africa. It's got this long, complicated name that I can't remember. Um, and so she spends all of her time writing letters, going to meetings, raising money, all sorts of things. All the while, her children are covered in dirt, their clothes are full of holes, the house is all messed up, they don't have any food, everything around her is falling apart. But she is so concerned that the children in Africa just don't have what they need. Of course, this is a caricature of that attitude. But very often, I think what we want to do is love the people who are far away and say, yes, I take care of people while we let the neighbor next door struggle to shovel their sidewalk or the friends struggle with their money problems and not offer to help or the person next door who's got a sick kid but they still need to go to work and say, well, I can take care of them. See, it's not just everyone we're supposed to love, but especially the people who are near us. That is your neighbor, the people you come in contact with, and it starts with the people who are near you. Love your neighbor as yourself. Loving your neighbor as yourself, there is no way to see this better than the love that we've already mentioned in Jesus Christ. He loved us more than he loved his own life. He loved us more than he loved comfort and happiness and peace and all of that stuff. He loved us so much he was willing to be tortured terribly in awful, awful ways, suffer the pain more unimaginable than anything we can think of for you. He put your needs first. He put your life first. He put everything before his own welfare so that you can have life. That's what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. To put other people's needs first. One of the hardest ways that we do this is by actually being willing to be served. I think we all like to feel like we're independent, like I can take care of myself and I can even take care of other people. But when we're in need, we like to say, no, no I don't want to be a burden. And what's really interesting about loving others is sometimes other people need an opportunity to serve too. Sometimes other people need to be able to help you when you're in need. This is why people who are stuck in their homes will say no when a congregation member will offer to give them a ride to church. Oh, I don't want to be a burden. They can be really powerful. There was a missionary in India who was, uh, had a 
terrible thing happened back at home. A family member died, and he needed to gather together money to fly back to the United States to be with, at the funeral. Um, and instead of going to the mission society that sent him all of, uh, all of us people over in America, he went to the poor people in his village where he had been serving them and said, you know, I need to get over there. Can you help me out? And little by little, they gathered enough money to buy a flight over there. And the people responded to that. It was amazing. They said, he is one of us. He isn't one of them because he came to us for help. We had the opportunity to take care of him like he's one of us. God had given them this amazing opportunity to serve and love and grow because he was willing to say, I need help. Sometimes that's what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. So you love your neighbor as yourself is exactly what God tells us uh, is the fulfillment of the law. But most of all, we see love your neighbor as yourself lived out in the life of Jesus. He is not just an example, but a savior who shows that his love brings us eternal life. And that's how he gives us the love to do it in our own lives. In his name, amen. Thank you for listening to the sermons of Concordia Lutheran Church. For more information about getting involved, please visit concordiaburwin.org. Like us on Facebook at Concordia Lutheran Church and Little Lambs.